from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So there's something really good that can come out of this failure. She had always gone through all of her grades, all of her classes, never any challenge, straight A student. Do you ever get pushback from the the science teachers that this is almost beyond their pay grade to deal with something like this? I'm Sarah Fenske. Science Coach is a St. Louis-based nonprofit with a national reach. It works with students in grades 6 through 12 on science projects. And it's safe to say these are not the projects you did just to come up with something for the school science fair. These students are creating high-level research projects and tackling the world's most vexing problems. For the past few years, Science Coach has been in partnership with the local biotech startup organization, BioSTL. And joining us today to tell us more about Science Coach's work is Jill Malcolm. She's the executive director of Science Coach. So Jill, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And we're also joined today by Elijah Jones. Um, he recently graduated from Jackson High School in Jackson, Missouri. Uh, he's working on a very cool project with Science Coach, and he is actually already started as a student at Southern Illinois University Carbondale. Busy kid. So Eli, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Eli, I want to start with you. Um, how did you first get involved with Science Coach? Yeah, so actually it's been a really long process. Ever since, you know, back in eighth grade, I've been doing science fair projects. Um, But really where it got started is in 10th grade. That's when I wanted to do a very serious science fair project. I kind of got really interested in doing experiments for myself. So I had tried to make my own home chemistry lab. You know, I was doing experiments in my front yard. And for once, I wanted to try doing, you know, something that could really make a difference in the world. So I started competing in our regional science fair. And it was through that regional science fair that I heard about Science Coach. And the big problem with doing research as a high school student is actually getting access to facilities. You know. I can work at my home all I want, but ultimately the chemicals and equipment that I need are going to be thousands of dollars. and I just can't afford that or get access to that on my own. So Science Coach is really where I kind of got my ins to do my project in 10th grade. How did you hear that this was something that might uh, might be fuel for your scientific ambitions? Yeah, so kind of our school, we were... Back then, I was I had this project, and I had to get to a university lab to um, do some of my research. And it was a really big struggle because, you know, I had to contact the professor, and he said, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to let you in here. You know, can we can we work this out? You know, we were buying, um, we were using all of our money to buy probably hundreds of dollars worth of chemicals, and it was just very strange. <laughs> financially. But then we heard about Science Coach and we heard that they could help us financially. They could help us get access to labs and free chemicals. And that's kind of where I really, my projects really took off because I could finally not have to worry about paying for everything and really get access, access to these things I needed. Jill, hearing Eli's excitement here, this is positively infectious. I'm ready to go to the chemistry lab, <laughs> a, a place I've long avoided. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, is this common that people come in with just their rare and to go and they just want access? to the materials. Well, sometimes that is how the door that they come in. Often it is students who don't have access to do what it is that they like to do. So there's a lot of opportunities if you're athletic or, you know, if you're gifted, you have some opportunities. But if you're really gifted in science, 
there aren't those access to opportunities. So what Science Coach does is, is we've actually created an entire system that not only offers professional development for the teachers, but also access for the students and support for the students so that they can excel. So you talked about with Eli, you kind of get them through the door by, you know, you're dangling the, the fancy chemicals and the test tubes. Once a kid like this is through the door, then um, how do you continue to, to build his interest and mentor him? So we do it by training the teacher. So we actually train our teachers to coach our students to do high level, very advanced, authentic research. And then that research is entered into competitions. And then from there, if they come up with something, then we actually help them in that innovation to entrepreneurship. And that's one of the things that we continue to uh, work with Eli on, because he has some really interesting molecular architecture ideas. So I think that could be patented and could be commercially viable at some point. So it's it's taking the students and the teachers, because you really have to raise the level of the teachers in order to raise the level of the students. Mm -hmm. So that's why we use the teachers as the entry point, because they have the relationship with the students. And then we just support everybody in the ecosystem to build this ecosystem that creates more STEM talent for the area. So we've been talking about high-level projects, and I believe I even heard the word that it has a commercial application. That's a huge, huge phrase there for a scientist. Eli, tell us what you've been working on since you made this connection in 10th grade and became a part of Science Coach. Yeah, so in a broader sense, what my research kind of focuses on doing is actually making pharmaceuticals. So you can imagine pharmaceuticals have a very broad range of applications from treating things like leukemia to other forms of cancer, all sorts of diseases. And actually making the drugs themselves is really, really difficult. Um, so my goal is to try to make this process cheaper and more effective. So why is it important to make these drugs more effectively? So if you can imagine you have a pharmaceutical company and they want to make a new leukemia drug, well, they could have 10 different possible candidates to treat this uh, leukemia but they can't test all of those in a month or so. They have to actually make each of those molecules one by one. And that can take years and a team of multiple chemists to do because making molecules isn't like just printing a piece of paper. It's a very long process. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to try to make that process a little bit simpler. Um, and I do that by thinking about molecules in terms of a structure. So molecules are like a really tiny house, about a house that's about 10 billion times smaller. <laughs> so it's these base, basically this architecture of carbon atoms, and I have to find a way to arrange those atoms in certain orientations in order to actually make these pharmaceuticals. And Jill, it sounds like you see some real potential with this idea Eli has. Exactly. So one of the things that really moved forward science was using messenger RNA, which is you see by the vaccines that were done by COVID for the, the coronavirus. That vaccine was able to be done in a much shorter time because of the technology about using messenger RNA. So there are transformative technologies that move science forward dramatically. That was one. PCR machines was another for all the genomics. And I believe molecular engineering, molecular architecture that he's developed is the next. So he's actually been building since 10th grade this pharmaceutical that is only derived in plants at this point, but will 
make the drugs that are used for multiple diseases much more economical. And right now, those drugs are extremely expensive. So as Eli mentioned, this goes far beyond what a lot of us know about. And I imagine even for people who are teaching high school science, I mean, this seems like some really specialized, um, incredibly fascinating stuff. Do you ever get pushback from the, the science teachers that this is almost beyond their pay grade to deal with something like this? We look for the maverick science teachers. We do not expect every science teacher to be able to help every one of their students because they may have a chemistry project, a behavioral science project, a, a plant science project. It, it's engineering. It, it's all over the board. We try to get the kids to pick something that they are interested in, and then we help connect them and their teacher to a mentor or a subject matter expert who can help them with that next level. We don't expect every teacher to know every piece of the content. What the teachers become excelled in is the advanced innovation methodology. We actually have a teacher version of our advanced innovation methodology and a student version, so that for those Eli's in the world that don't have a student, a, a teacher that can help them, they can use our, our what we call AIM student or AIM teacher. So it's all about teaching the methodology of how to do high-level research in 6th through 12th grade, public, private, and home schools, so that when those students get, get those ideas and start doing their science, they already know how to do it correctly. Eli, has that been valuable in your case? Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very important to get in contact with these mentors and professors, as Jill was saying. Um, for example, you know, without science coaching, without kind of getting interested in chemistry from the start, I really wouldn't have the opportunity I have, right, I have right now, which is to work in a research lab up at SIU Carbondale. You know, a lot of high school students um, going into college, they don't jump right into a research lab um, their freshman year in college. So that was a big opportunity that I got to actually continue my own research in that lab. And that's really in thanks to science fairs and science coach, because that kind of trained me how to think scientifically. How do I actually work in these big labs? And that's really an important thing to do if you want to excel as a scientist in the future. So it's not just Eli, as much as Eli is a great poster child for this program here. Um, we also talked to Lenita Devine. She's a recent graduate of Holt High School in Wentzville. She focused on finding novel antimicrobial compounds to help with the crisis over antibiotic resistance. And she explained to our producer how Science Coach helped her. My experience has been really, really good. I think that it helped me sort of like find myself in a way and realize A, like what I want to do and B, like basic like life skills. Like I talked about learning how to be able to communicate your thoughts effectively. Sure, you do like presentations like in class and stuff like that, but having to be able to talk to a bunch of people you've never known before and be able to um, explain your thoughts in a way that makes sense was something I never really had to do before. So I think that really helped me in that area and just getting more confidence and like feeling like I know exactly what I'm talking about and that what I did was important. Now, Lenita got a four-year full-ride scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh. She plans to study microbiology. Um, having research is something that can really make you stand out apart from other people. And it's definitely something that would make like people who like give scholarships and, and, and admission communities be like, oh, okay. That's something really cool that they did. I want to let them in my school. 
And that is Lenita Devine talking about the Science Coach uh, nonprofit, which helps promising kids who are good at science, helps their teachers, um, sort of builds up that next generation of of scientists. Um, Jill, we've been talking about this research, and yet we know about science. Not every science experiment is going to yield the result that you're looking for. Do you ever find that there's somebody who comes in and they're so filled with this positive energy, they have a big idea that just the experiment fails? Yes, we actually have, um, we measure a bunch of different things, over 100 different points, perseverance, persistence, collaboration, recognition, integration into their everyday life, all of those things are measured. A real example of um, uh, that persistence that you're talking about, we had a student who, uh, Sarah Goldstein, she had always gone through all of her grades all of her classes never any challenge straight a student wonderful until she hit science coach she did design an experiment to try to uh, address a the collagen that's created which is a factor of a disease that her friend has and she wanted to try to solve it mm-hmm. and a very powerful very excited she knew she was capable and she failed Hmm. And then she failed again, and she failed again. And her parents kept saying, you keep going, keep trying to figure it out. And her parents tell the story, lots of tears, etc. But what happened is she found what didn't work in her experiment. And so she submitted a part of, we have a senior stipend program where we pay seniors $1,000. Eli was in that last year, to do their research during their senior year. She won it this year. Uh, she's one of three, and she is now has figured out what she did wrong. Now you talk about being on fire. She has a passion. This is what she's going to do. She is going to solve this problem, you know. And that's what you want. It, it isn't so much about whether or not the students succeed or the experiment fails or not. It's what did they learn in the process. How did they do the research? Can they keep a professional logbook? Those type of things, those are transportable skills that any employer would look for in in a, a person, especially um, in a STEM professional. So there's something really good that can come out of this failure. Absolutely, and and learning how to fail. Because science is a team sport, just like Mr. Don McKenzie said, it's a team sport. And you have to expect failure. It's an iterative process. The first time you try it, it doesn't work. If you knew how to make it work, there would be a book on it. This is novel. This is authentic. This is not do these 12 steps and it's magically going to work. But it's about write down every step that you do so that it can be reproduced. And that's where the peer-reviewed journals, like Jill Barnaby um, actually created a patch to uh, allow for early detection of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And she had her work published in the Journal of Research Medicine, Hmm. uh, materials research, I'm sorry. Um, That experience of doing that publishing your research and winning at national competitions like Eli and and several of our other students did. They actually won in in the International Science and Engineering Fair, which everybody's watching the Olympics. This is the Olympics of science fairs. Wow. Eli won third in chemistry. Ethan Dunsworth, who created a nuclear fusion reactor without producing any radioactivity, won third. And then Jill Barnaby won fourth in the world. 
that's this is just remarkable and and it's amazing to hear about these projects people are working on too. Uh, we have just a few minutes left here today, um, but we're hearing from some callers who are excited about this, wondering if you need volunteers, how they can help. <laughs> yes, we are always looking for volunteers. We're looking for volunteers who can help us in um, some virtual remote ways. We have some that are subject matter experts. We need mentors. So um, retired, it doesn't matter. We need to connect. A lot of it is email mentors. Sometimes it's in-person mentors. Sometimes it's helping us get access. Obviously, we're a nonprofit. We always need money. Um, And if you want to sponsor a particular student, you want to sponsor, we have various different ways to sponsor research. So you could find, like Maya Irving had a sponsor who wanted to figure out how to eradicate bush honeysuckle. Hmm. What she discovered in her failure is, because of course she didn't figure out how to eradicate that, but what she did do is she figured out that the leaves of the bush honeysuckle served as a natural pre-emergent herbicide. So you could spray those in between the rows of the crop, yeah, crops, and have that natural pre-emergent, and there's a good use for honeysuckle. So I imagine the, these people who are wound up about volunteering, they're probably going to be even more wound up now that you've made that little pitch. What's the best way for people to follow up if they're feeling called to that? Sciencecoach.org. We have a, a, a site. Contact us on there. We have, if they want to be a, a science coach, there's an application on there. If they want to talk to us, they can donate directly on our page. They can also call BioSTL 314-501-1940. Okay, that's a lot of great information there. Again, that's sciencecoach.org. Uh, Jill Malcolm, Executive Director of Science Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. And Elijah Jones, uh, Eli, thank you so much for, for being here today. I understand you drove two hours to be here. <laughs> I did. Yes. So, well, thank you so much. And we wish you the best of luck at uh, Southern Illinois University Carbondale and with these big experiments you're doing. Yes, well, thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.